Living Spring. Merry Christmas. I know it's a few days after Christmas, but according to the Christian calendar, Christmas is 12 days. So we can keep celebrating until January 6th. One way you and your family might celebrate is through watching Hallmark movies. This morning, through reflecting more deeply on Hallmark movies and Mary's song in Luke 1, we will discover the truth that God is with us in the mess. To start, I'm going to ask a potentially deeply personal and polarizing question. How do you feel about Hallmark movies? Are you a Hallmark movie lover or a Hallmark movie hater? I've surprisingly had some really thoughtful conversations with people about Hallmark movies these past few years. For example, my dad is a big Hallmark movie fan. He loves that they're positive, that they encourage him and remind him of the Christmas spirit, and that he can turn the Hallmark channel on and not have to worry about violence or graphic images or bad language. And he asked me, what's so bad about a happy ending? And what's wrong with, um, or he reminds me that all good stories have a formula. So he had some good points. My mom, on the other hand, hates Hallmark movies. She says that they're kind of cheesy and corny and they're gimmicky and tug on people's heartstrings. She asked me, Michelle, what do these movies have to say to people who are struggling with real life problems? For her, the hope in Hallmark movies is pretty shallow. As with most things, both of my parents are right in different ways. They'll be happy to hear that. Regardless of how we personally feel about these movies, they have become increasingly popular in our context. In 2019, over 85 million people watched a Hallmark movie, and due to the pandemic, ratings have increased 2%. Why do so many people tune in to these movies? What needs or longings are they tapping into? How are Hallmark movies forming us and the 85 million other people that are watching them. Do these movies capture the whole story of Christmas? What are they missing? How real and far-reaching is the hope that they proclaim? I think Hallmark movies can help us insofar as they encourage us to have a childlike approach and sense of wonder and awe to God and what God will do in the world. Hallmark movies help us expect that ordinary things like an unwed teenage mother and a baby boy in a manger can be tinged with the glory of God. Hallmark movies are great when they can inspire us to deep faith and to root for miracles and the too-good-to-be-trueness of God. However, if left unchallenged, these movies can lead us to believe in a sanitized, picture-perfect, domesticated picture of the Christmas story that ignores the very real and gritty reality of potentially your story, my story, and the story of our world in 2020. This morning, we're going to turn to Mary's song in Luke chapter 1 to help give us a more broad picture of the Christmas story than Hallmark movies can provide. We're going to ask, what can Mary's song teach us about living faithfully in the midst of a pandemic? 
our text for this morning, often called Mary's Song or the Magnificat, which is Latin for my soul magnifies the Lord, comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 45 through 55, and is the longest text spoken by a woman in the New Testament. The song comes several verses after Mary receives a really surprise visit from the angel Gabriel. The angel pursues Mary in her small town in Nazareth, greets her, and tells her that she is highly favored and that the Lord is with her. She, of course, is at first troubled and probably wondering, why on earth would the angel choose me of all people? The angel goes on to comfort Mary and tell her that she doesn't have to be afraid. She has found favor with God. The text says that she will give birth to a son, and the son will be called Great and the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end. After asking a very practical and logistical question about how exactly this can happen, Mary, a young girl with potentially everything to lose in this risky arrangement, calls herself the Lord's servant and boldly proclaims, May your word to me be fulfilled. This childlike faith, awe, and wonder is something God highly values, something that God knew about Mary, even when everyone around her probably just noticed her low status. Mary's faith and obedience is raw and real, and it could potentially even have fatal consequences for her. As women during that time, if they were caught being pregnant without being married, they could be stoned. This is where the story veers beyond Hallmark territory and doesn't look back. Soon after this angelic visitation, Mary goes to the hill country of Judea to visit her relative Elizabeth, and they commiserate and talk about their miraculous pregnancies. They're having a great time blessing each other and chatting when Elizabeth suddenly proclaims, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. In response to this blessing, Mary erupts in song and spontaneously prophesies in one of the most powerful prophetic pieces of literature and scripture. Mary sings this song in a type of past, present, and future tense. As we read the text together, I invite you to approach the text with fresh eyes. Let God speak to you. Please pray with me as we prepare our hearts to receive God's word. God, we thank you that you are a God of good stories with epic endings. A God who created us to stand in awe and wonder at your goodness. A God who is near to the margins and the brokenness of our world. A God who chooses the most unexpected people to favor. Use our discussion of Mary and her powerful song, to change us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Please follow along on the screen as I read. Mary's Song. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. 
His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So I'll let you take a second and let Mary's powerful words sink in. The question I want us to focus on now is what can we learn about life in the midst of a pandemic from Mary's song? There are three things that we can learn and hold on to today, and we're going to go through them one by one. Number one, Mary's song can remind us to proclaim our faith in God's goodness no matter what our circumstances. Have you, like Mary, ever become so overwhelmed with emotion that you couldn't help but sing and praise and proclaim God and his goodness? It's striking to me that Mary's song comes in the midst of a life or death risk that she is taking. Yet Mary knows in her heart of hearts that God is mindful of her humble state. He knows and he sees her. And not only that, but he, Mary proclaims that God views her as a servant. This causes Mary to rejoice and glorify God and call him her savior. This can encourage you if you've ever doubted whether God can use you, whether you're good enough or competent enough to be God's servant. Throughout scripture, we see that those who are humble are often the ones that God picks to do his most epic work. Do you believe that God is mindful of you in your humble state? Maybe this has been a particularly hard season for you. Maybe you've lost a job or a loved one, or it just feels like God is kind of distant or like he might not care about you and what's going on. Mary reminds us that God is especially mindful of all of the details and circumstances of our lives especially when we're feeling low, especially when we are humble and feeling down. God is attracted to our humility and our vulnerability. Often in those moments when all we can do is cry out to Jesus, help, Jesus, help, that's when his blessings and his favor show up so strongly. I want us to be mindful that God is mindful of us. We're we're at in this Christmas season. Mary goes on to proclaim that God has chosen her and abundantly blessed her. The life budding within her will change the course of future generations forever. In her womb, she holds all of the hopes and dreams of her people Israel. In verse 50, Mary recalls the mercy that God showed to her ancestors generation after generation, reminding us of God's faithfulness to Israel throughout the ages. Mary refers to God's outstretched arm, which is an image that was commonly used in the Old Testament to refer to when God was delivering his people. Mary remembers that her God delivered her Israelite ancestors from under their oppression in Egypt. 
And she is proclaiming that even now, God will deliver her from her foes and her oppressors. Like Mary, do you ever stop and think about how God is a God of the generations? How he is not only faithful to you, but to the generations that came before you and the generations that will come after you? In the midst of a horrible pandemic, it can bring us so much hope to remember that God's faithfulness, that God's mercy will never run dry. It will never stop from generation to generation. Not only is Mary's song joyful and full of praise and proclaiming God's goodness and promises, her song is also filled with fiery truth-telling. The next thing Mary's song teaches us is the importance of truth-telling in the midst of suffering and injustice. Mary is announcing a new type of kingdom that her son will inaugurate, a kingdom that contrasts greatly with the kingdom of Mary's day that was all about power and control. And it contrasts to the kingdoms of our day that rely on fear and scarcity, this belief that we won't have enough. Mary shows us what this new kingdom will be like by giving us concrete images of the actions that God will take. Mary is so confident that she proclaims these actions like they've already happened. She said, this is what God will do. God will scatter the proud, those who think they've got it figured out, that they can do life without God. God will bring down rulers from their thrones those who would take power into their own hands and forget God and his commandments. And God will lift up the humble and the lowly. According to Mary, God is clearly on the side of the vulnerable, the powerless, and the humble. Mary, a poor peasant girl under Roman occupation, goes even farther and says that God will fill the hungry with good things and send the rich away empty. Some of what Mary is saying here reminds me of the Beatitudes in Luke, where Jesus says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Maybe Jesus' inspiration for the Beatitudes concerning the poor and the hungry came from his mom. Like mother, like son. Dietrich Bonhoeffer And Mark, there'll be a quote in a little bit. A German theologian who resisted against the Nazis and eventually was executed by them recognizes the powerful, truth-telling nature of Mary's song. Before he was killed, he spoke these words in a Christmas sermon. And there's a slide with the quote. The song of Mary is the oldest Advent hymn. It is at once the most passionate, the wildest, one might even say the most revolutionary Advent hymn ever sung. This is not the gentle, tender, dreamy Mary who we sometimes see in paintings. This song has none of the sweet, nostalgic, or even playful tones of some of our Christmas carols. It is instead a hard, strong, inexorable song about the power of God and the powerlessness of humankind. A preaching professor I had in seminary 
challenges our temptation to domesticate Mary and keep her in our boxes. She says, don't envision Mary as the radiant woman peacefully composing this song. Instead, see her as a girl who defiantly sings to God through her tears, fists clenched against an unknown future. When we do this, the professor goes on to say, Mary's courageous song of praise becomes a radical resource for those seeking to honor the holy amidst the suffering and conflicts of real life. Who could Mary's words bring hope to and be a resource for in 2020 amidst our sufferings and our conflicts? Mary's proclamation that God will lift up the lowly could bring hope to doctors and nurses who are at their lowest points, exhausted by the death and trauma and grief that they didn't sign up for and who are separated from their families this holiday season. Mary's words could bring those hope who are struggling in isolation, who have no one to visit them and who feel that they are left alone. Her words could bring hope to those who have never felt so low, who are struggling with anxiety and depression. They can remember that God lifts up the lowly, God lifts up the humble. These words could bring hope to the humble children who are falling behind in school, to barriers that they can't control. Maybe they don't have a laptop, maybe their home environment isn't conducive to online school. God sees them and God lifts them up too. Mary's words could be hope for, and comfort for those grandparents who haven't been able to see their grandchildren for the past nine months and who dearly miss them. These words could bring hope to people of color who are bone tired of facing racism day after day and are tired of the fear that they experience when their kids go off, or their adult kids go off just on a jog and they're afraid whether they'll come back or not. Mary's words could bring them hope and comfort, reminding them that God sees the humble and the lowly and he lifts them up. These situations grieve the heart of our God who promises to lift up the lowly and to fill the hungry with good things. These lives and these deaths matter to God and should matter to us as God's sons and daughters. Through Jesus, we are part of a new family in Christ, and we are called to love and to empathize and to care for people who are different than us, who might see things differently than us, who might have different experiences than us. We must tell the truth about these experiences, even if they are different than our own, and like Mary, invite God in and proclaim his mercy and his deliverance in the midst of it all. Mary spoke fiercely on behalf of the lowly, the humble, and the oppressed, and she invites us to do the same in our own contexts and in our own ways. It's gonna look so different for all of us. However, it's so easy to do this, and I do this all the time, but if we seek to escape and minimize the very real conflict and suffering in our world, and to deny the experiences of others who might have a different experience than us, if we fail to tell the truth about the realities that we are living under, we can block God from actually meeting us where we're at, 
from meeting us in our low places, from delivering us, from being present to us, from healing us. And all of these things God longs to do for us. Unfortunately, I mean, I would rather watch Hallmark movies than Escape, but as Christians, we can't ignore the darker realities of our world because Mary reminds us that God doesn't. God's word is truth, and the truth sets us free. But in my experience, it's pretty hard to hear the truth sometimes, and it's hard to proclaim the truth. It's really, really hard. That's why we can be thankful that Mary is such a brave example of what it's like to speak the truth boldly without fear. And Mary speaks both truth about the reality of the world she is in, and she boldly proclaims truth about the goodness and the mercy of God. This God who intervenes in the mess and shows mercy and grace. The final thing we can learn from Mary's song about how to live faithfully amidst a pandemic is to trust that God is with us in the mess. God is with us in the mess. In an article about the influence of Hallmark movies I read this week, I spent a lot of time researching and watching them, which was fun. Um, The programming chief of Hallmark wrote, we made a choice not to let COVID affect us thematically, she said. There are a lot of places you can find information about COVID. What we provided was a respite from that. Although, like I said, I love Hallmark movies and the escape they provide, and I promise you I will continue to joyfully watch them and eat Christmas cookies. Ultimately, unlike the Hallmark Channel, as Christians, we can't ignore the mess and the brokenness of our world simply because God does not. God does not ignore it. God entered our mess in the humble form of a baby boy who was born in a manger in a small town of Bethlehem. And he continues to enter our mess in our world today through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the witness and love of Christians. The incredibly good news of Christmas and the gospel is that God entered our world to be with us as a homeless refugee baby boy and ultimately died and rose again to save us from our sins and the brokenness around us. Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, God promises to be with us forever. God is with us in pandemics, in loneliness, in depression, in anxiety. God is with the healthcare workers. God is with those who have lost their jobs. God is with those who have seen their businesses crumble. God is with the elderly who feel alone. God is with them. God is with you. God is with me. And God was with Mary. As much as I want it to be different, and maybe you guys too, we all know that life, especially in 2020, is not a Hallmark movie. We've discovered that although some of us, myself included, really love these movies, They don't get at the depth of the real and gritty hope that the Christmas story in Luke brings. A hope that does not ignore suffering and a hope that does not and will not ever disappoint. Although the Christmas story 
and beloved Mary might not be as tame as we want or as we thought, Mary is still so full of childlike wonder, trust, and awe in God and his goodness and his promises to her. She is so excited for what God is going to do through her son and in the world. Through her song, Mary is encouraging us to doggedly hold on to hope, even if everything around us seems to be crumbling. She invites us to remember God's goodness, God's promises, to remember that God is the one who uplifts the poor and the lowly and fills the hungry with good things. And finally, Mary's song can encourage us to trust, as I've said, that God is with us in the mess like he was with Mary, and he will be with the future generations from generation to generation. God's mercy and love will never fail. And this is a hope that we can proclaim Christmas after Christmas, and this is the hope that we proclaim this Christmas season. So now this is a story that I am compelled to sing about like Mary for the rest of my days with Jesus as my guide. So please pray with me. God, we thank you for the words of Mary that remind us that you are with us in the mess, that you don't abandon us to Sheol, that your mercy extends to the generations, that you lift up the lowly and are mindful of us in our humble state. Thank you for your faithfulness to your people throughout the generations and especially now. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So as we do every week, I invite you to please stand wherever you're at for the blessing. In the name of the God who is mindful of our humble state and promises to lift up the lowly, and in the name of Jesus who left his place at the right hand of the Father to enter our world in the flesh, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is creatively and actively enacting God's miracles all around us. Go forth this season proclaiming the truth that God is with us in the mess and always will be. Amen. <laughs>